Real Sports Talk for Real Sports Fans. 1700, the channel. Hey, everybody, welcome in on a cold, blustery day on a Monday. Jim and Trent, we say hello to you. 1700, the champ, uh, coming up in about 15 minutes or so in the NFL. Tad Haslap from the Sporting News will be our guest, and we will run around the National Football League. But what a turkey day and what a rest of the weekend it was, Trent. A, have you put on a few pounds? And B, how excited were you for the Iowa win and then the Iowa State win on Saturday? Couple of interesting games and, and two games certainly that went different kind of ways for both Iowa and Iowa State. The comeback out of the Cyclones against K State down 38-21 and for a while felt like hope was lost and Bill Snyder was going to get the Cyclones yet again and make it 11 in a row. Jim, let's start right there with Iowa State. That comeback and for me, that's a culture victory. That, that is a Matt Campbell type of win. In the past, we would see a game like that. And Iowa State would fold up the tent. And even a good team wouldn't be able to come back in the fashion that they did. But the drive, after getting down 38-21, early in the fourth quarter, they punch in another touchdown to the Wildcats. And, oh boy, people are, are leaving the building and saying, well, at least we get Drake next week and we'll get that seventh victory. Instead, the play out of Brock Purdy on that drive, he's just making throws. He gets Matt Eaton right away, a big gainer, 50 yards on the completion. And from there, they march right down the field get the touchdown, get it back within two scores, and then Mike Rose makes a play, and it was all systems go from there. In the past, Jimmy B., Iowa State loses that football game. Oh, I'm with you. There's no question. They were were cooked. And I think Iowa State fans, and and it's funny because I uh, got into, not Twitter wars, but Twitter conversations with some fans uh, about leaving. And, of course, they're saying, well, it was cold. Well, you should have known it was going to be cold, and you should have dressed accordingly for the game. You knew what the forecast was. And, look, I, I think they quit on their team thinking, like what you stated, that Bill Snyder has got him again, meaning the fans quit on him. But the team never quit. And that's the difference, Trent. And you talked about culture and how Matt Campbell has changed that. That Cyclone team did not quit. It never entered into their mind to quit. And once they got it going, and it seemed that all of a sudden it was a bumpy ride for the freshman quarterback, Purdy, and then all of a sudden he hit a couple of passes and then got his confidence back, and they took off like a freaking rocket and went on to win that game. Uh, I'm with you on the culture change. What Matt Campbell and his staff has done there is absolutely incredible. And Iowa State wins six conference games in the Big 12. Uh, It's an amazing story. Uh, They will finish with eight victories when they play Drake this coming weekend. And then they'll get ready for a a bowl game. Uh, it's, It's incredible how the transformation has taken place in Ames, Iowa. It really is a great victory there in Iowa State, hitting heights they've never hit before. Never before have they won mm-hmm. six games in conference. Right. The last conference title comes over 100 years ago in the old Missouri Valley Football Conference. It's been a long, long time. There will be no conference title this year, but things continuing to go on a positive track. Did you see the report over the weekend that came in from CBSSports.com? And I think it was what Lock and Fora had it. 
talking about more and more teams, including the Cleveland Browns, looking yes. into Matt Campbell, looking into him, and, and how he would translate as an NFL coach. I did see that report, read it carefully. Uh, his name, it seems to me right now, if the Little Sisters of the Poor dump their football coach, Matt Campbell's name would be at the top of their list. His name is going to pop up now, Trent, on every list that you can possibly think of. Um, look, uh, that's good for Iowa State that he is so well thought of across the national uh, scheme of things in college football. He's not going to like leave for Texas Tech. That's not going to happen. Uh, he's not going to just jump for jump's sake. And when he decides that he believes that he's ready, he'll make his move. Now, I don't see that happening at the end of this year. And if the NFL comes calling and he says, no, I'm not ready yet, don't you believe in two years and with the success that he is having, aren't they going to come calling every year? Absolutely they are. They're going to do that. So this is just not a one-trick pony uh, that Matt Campbell is right now with his name being bantered around. It's going to be bantered around year after year after year because it's Iowa State, and Iowa State has that stigma of being a jumper school, and fans know that, and so they're nervous. I'm just... I, I just don't see it as something like that taking place uh, at the end of the year. I think the dude is happy. I think he has a vision on where he wants to take this school. And I don't think, Trent, that he is going to embark on another journey until he feels that he has done just about everything that he possibly can at Iowa State. From the Cyclones over to the Hawkeyes, Black Friday, a win against Nebraska, 31-28. Miguel Racinos with the game winner in that one, yep. Jimmy B. It uh, had all the makings, though, of being 2014 all over again. Ooh. A disappointing end of the season, a big second-half lead given away to the Cornhuskers. There was no Pearson L, though, returning punts for the Cornhuskers this time. Iowa gets the victory, and Jim, I told this to Ken a little bit earlier, as a fan, I was rooting for Nebraska to get the two-point conversion and make a 28-28 because if that doesn't happen, it's 28-26. You know what happens. Nebraska gets the football back. They win a field on a field goal. They win a 29-28. That's how I envision it. I was happy to see Nebraska get the two-point conversion then Iowa having to go out there and actually do something to try to win the game. I'm I'm with you. Look, I I was uh, thoroughly disappointed in that uh, in that last quarter, the way that Nebraska just whipped Iowa's defensive behind, uh, going up and down the field and getting those scores to climb back into the game, uh, particularly after Iowa's defense had had such great success uh, against Nebraska's offense throughout that contest and had that comfortable lead. In your estimation, did you see them take the, the gas off, or did you just think that Nebraska schemed a, a couple of things finally and changed up a little bit, and that's why they had success against Iowa's D? Uh, I, I think, well, early on, Nebraska was doing whatever they did, and I think Iowa did a really good job uh, of setting the edge much better, not letting uh, Martinez get outside of the pocket, and, exactly. and that dissipated a little bit, but... They were playing on their heels a little bit. I, I think some of the wind was taken out of the sails out of going for it on the fourth down, going with the fake punt and trying to 
to move the football that way. I think that was a little bit surprising. Iowa had a chance to take a three-score lead at that point, but really, if they would have scored a touchdown on that field, fake field goal, I think it was over from there. Yeah, they were on their heels a little bit there, but they persevered. And how about the play on fourth down where you don't make that. Nebraska needs two, three plays, and they're right back in field goal range, and you lose it to go for it because I thought we were going to see something we've seen a whole lot throughout the years, and that was going to be just a quick kick, you know, a squid kick out of the quarterback there. We've seen them do that with Beathard. We've seen them do that a whole lot with Nate Stanley. It looked like that, but to make the call – to actually throw the football there on fourth and long. Impressive cojones there out of Kirk Ferentz and the coaching staff. <laughs> I'll give them that. I certainly will give them that, Trent. I really will. Uh, look, that was that was a gutsy call, and you were right. We could have seen what happened if they did not make that first down. But they did, and that put them in position uh, to help them get into position, I should say, to uh, kick the winning field goal. Look, it was a... A interesting game to watch, and I I, I just found it. I, I suppose the defense in that second half, uh, trying to play not to lose it instead of trying to play to win. Well, what do you like? What, what do you like to see them well, do? I just thought they'd be. I just thought they'd be more aggressive. I mean, you had Epinesa and company uh, all over Martinez, and it just didn't translate then uh, in that uh, late, you know, into the fourth quarter. That's why I asked you if you felt that Nebraska had tweaked something in order to be more successful moving the ball against Iowa's defense. But the first two drives, they went right down the field, too. They did, yeah. So, I... It's a good offense, I Jim. I mean, you got to give some credit yeah. to Nebraska here. This is an oh, offense no, no, that, I am. yeah, I am. this is an offense that's moved the football on seemingly everybody this year, yes. short of Michigan. And I think you got to give some credit there. Defensively, they got a long ways to go. I mean, Iowa all they season do. long hadn't been able to run the football at all. And Makai Sargent goes for one seventy three. Torn Young goes for right. eighty three. I mean, they were doing yeah. whatever they wanted in the running game there. That defense, uh, they got work to do. But I think yes. overall. It's a win. It doesn't matter. Style points don't matter. You get to eight I and agree. four. What would you yeah. rate this Iowa season? What 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 kind of grade do you give Iowa after they finish things up? I would probably give them because you and I both had a, a, a higher uh, ceiling for this team. I, I would say B minus. I mean, look, eight and four is nothing to you know throw turn your nose up at. Mm-hmm. But we just felt with the with the schedule, which was favorable, we just felt that there was a good chance not to go twelve and zero again. But we thought ten and two was a real possibility, and that didn't work out. And then we were thinking, well, nine. Well, no, they're not going to win nine either. So I, I I hate to say that I'm that that fans were settling on eight, but that's where. I am right now. And you remember, we had a lot of the uh, the guys who cover Iowa on, and a lot of people had, had picked them at 8-4. and four. Ironically, that's where they ended up. You know what? I, I would even probably grade it a little bit lower. 8-4, and four, like you said, it, it's nothing to, to shake your head about it at Iowa. That's a solid season. Yeah. But overall, yeah. Jim, this is a year where Wisconsin was down. Northwestern won right. the division. This was a year yeah. that was there for the taking. And my expectations going into the year – I had them winning the division. I had them going 9-3, and 7-2 and two in the Big Ten, and beating Wisconsin, beating Northwestern. Of course, that didn't happen, and they are what they are. 
I'd say C plus. I, I thought this team, okay, their well. record should have been better than what they turned out to be. Eight yes. and four is fine. It's okay. It's better than okay most seasons at Iowa. But this was a year there for the taking. They didn't take advantage of that. It's going to be a, an off season of what ifs. But if it would have ended coupled with a loss against Nebraska, Ooh. it would have Ooh. been a whole lot uglier. They get the win and uh, now get ready for their bowl destination, be it Holiday Bowl, Citrus Bowl, still out there, a few others. Outback Bowl could be back in the mix. We'll see where Iowa ends up and where they'll play uh, their final game of 2018. Jim, we got to take a break. We're going to talk some NFL. Great game last night, Sunday night football. The Vikings get the win against the Packers. We'll take a look back at Thanksgiving. The Bears' defense gets it done with Eddie Jackson in the pick six as they hold off the Lions and get a road victory. We'll get into that. We'll talk about the Chiefs and everything else going on in the NFL. Joining us next, Ted Haslett from the Sporting News as we continue. Jimmy B and TC taking you up until 2 o'clock on 1700 The Champ. 1700 The Champ with the DA Show. Every weekday from 8 to 11 a.m. Damon Emma DeLora keeping it real with a twist. Vehicle advertising print wraps can be seen tens of thousands of times a day. If you want to increase your advertising footprint with the full or partial final print wrap on your business vehicle, go to CompleteAutoWraps.com. Complete Auto Wraps also specializes in full color change color wraps. Change the color of your vehicle or add a customized look with a print wrap to your vehicle, motorcycle, or boat. Don't pay big dealership or national sign chain prices when you can get yours installed by a professional trained and certified installer. Contact Corby for more information or a free estimate at CompleteAutoWraps.com. The holidays are a joyous time of year spent with family and festive celebrations, but it can be a difficult season for those who have recently lost a loved one. You can help. Amanda the Panda, a program of Every Step Grief and Loss Services, needs donations for its Cheerbox program, which delivers a box of gifts to families experiencing their first holiday season after the death of a loved one. Visit everystep.org slash grief and loss or call 515-223-HUGS for a list of needed items and to learn more. That's everystep.org slash grief and loss. Jim Hawk Truck Trailers in Altoona has immediate openings for energetic, self-motivated, and hardworking semi-trailer repair mechanics. At Jim Hawk Truck Trailers, you can expect to work in a great work environment that includes a clean, well-maintained shop. They offer competitive pay, along with benefits that include medical, dental, vision, 401k, life insurance, and more. Plus, don't forget to ask about their aggressive sign-on bonus starting at $2,500. Mechanics, you're not required to work weekends at Jim Hawk Truck Trailers in Altoona. Visit them online now at jhtt.com and go to the Careers tab. What's in store this holiday at your local Staples? Giving and receiving. And receiving some more. This year, give the job of printing your holiday cards to Staples, and you'll receive big savings. And this week only, get 40% off custom holiday cards and invitations at Staples. Plus, when you spend $50 on custom printing, you'll receive a $15 print coupon. So, happy holiday to you. Staples. There's a whole lot in store this holiday. About 1122 to 12118. Exclusions apply. In store only. See associate for details. Guys, are you ready to begin your journey to live life better? Are you feeling tired and worn down or looking to improve performance and drive in the bedroom? Looking to burn fat and gain muscle? Then it's time to contact New Leaf Wellness. New Leaf Wellness offers a free, no-obligation consultation. Dr. Robert Seaman and the New Leaf staff will help craft a plan dedicated to you. From testosterone replacement therapy, advanced weight loss, to nutritional therapy, New Leaf Wellness strives to find the plan that will improve your quality of life. Dr. Robert Seaman and New Leaf Wellness. Give them a call today at 515-650-1358. Again, 515-650-1358. 
515-650-1358 for New Leaf Wellness. One more time, 515-650-1358. It's time to live life better with New Leaf Wellness. Call 515-650-1358. That's 515-650-1358. You just get it through the experience. I'm a fan of a lot of our fast, casual cuisine. I love the theater and the shopping. My kids love to go to the parks. There's a lot going on musically. If you can't find things to do in Des Moines, you must be boring. This is a magical place. Don't miss out. Visit CatchDesMoines.com and plan your getaway to Greater Des Moines. Catch what you've been missing. Does overpaying for something make sense? We don't think it does at Charterhouse Real Estate. That is why we have completely changed the commission structure at our real estate firm from what you are used to hearing about. Gone are the days of 6 or 7% to sell your home. We charge $24.95 plus 3%. Don't worry if that sounds a bit odd. Just know that on average, our sellers save thousands in real estate commission when they sell their home with us. The best part is our sellers still get full service, including social media marketing, their home on the MLS, a dedicated agent, and much more. Head to charterhouseiowa.com and use our calculator there to see what your savings could be. We are Charterhouse Real Estate, and we are changing the way you think about selling your home. Charterhouse Real Estate is a team office under Space Simply. Welcome back. Jimmy B and TC continue 1700 The Champ and time to get into the NFL after a lot of college football talk to begin the program here today as we welcome in Tad Haslip from the Sporting News. Tad, back at it. Work on Monday did you survive Turkey Day? Everything okay? You roll into work today, you feeling all right? <laughs> nah, feeling all right. Had a couple days to recover, so uh-huh. that's always nice. And, you know, like 20 of leftovers, that's never a problem, right? Early in the week, so that kind of uh, eases the pain, if you will, of uh, heading back into the work week. But look, man, when you work in sports, you know, you got to feel lucky sometimes. It's, it's kind of the stuff that I'd be wanting to read about anyway. Yeah, there's <laughs> no doubt. It, it makes things much, much uh, easier when you're just coming in and we're we're not sitting here crunching numbers, anything like that. We're talking sports, and that's a good place to be. Well, Tad, uh, want to start off the beaten path. I'll, I'll leave a football question here for Jimmy B. Let's talk uniforms. It's something that we always love to do. <laughs> we have to go down this route every single time. And the beauties that were on full display yesterday afternoon, the Denver Broncos, they had the old D on the helmet. It was looking wonderful. Tad, that's uh, that's where I want to start. Those need to become permanent for the Broncos in my mind. How about you? I don't disagree. Here's the thing with the Broncos uniforms. I actually like their normal uniforms. Now, I think they could be updated a little bit in terms of the styling, whether that's the number font or the stripes down the side. But I, orange and blue are like two of my favorite colors, so that combination really, to me, is hard to beat. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Trent, that, that – that all orange, the bright orange with the blue old school help logo, that's really hard to beat. Now, I mean, I think if you were to go back to that, though, then you would kind of lose the novelty and it wouldn't be as special every sure. time they bust it out. That's the only problem. Um, but, you know, maybe there's some sort of way to meet in the middle here where they where they play off those colors, feature a little bit more orange sometimes. Um, and they have those alternate uniforms, but it's just like a modernized version of their regular uniforms, if that makes sense. Uh, but no, I'm I'm with you. I love you. I just you know the the yellow, black and yellow with the Steelers against the orange and blue. Um, you know, Jimmy B's laughing at us, I'm sure. But <laughs> I lo- it was just one of those. It was just one of those aesthetically pleasing games. I, it's weird, and I've told you guys before, but I'm more interested in games when they're like that. I can't explain it. I don't know why, uh, but I felt that way watching that game yesterday. 
My two favorite guys who are the czars of jerseys. <laughs> awesome stuff, as always. A tremendous breakdown. Now, Dad, some meat. Are they going to fire Mike McCarthy in Green Bay before 3 o'clock this afternoon? <laughs> Speaking of awesome-looking uniforms, um, yes. no, I, I, I think... Uh, I think Mike McCarthy is probably safe for now. Now, if you're going to ask me this question again in five weeks, maybe I have a different answer for you. Um, look, I, I think I've, I've told you guys before, I, I get kind of uncomfortable when it comes to, to judging coaches, you know, the, the job that they have done. Um, and, and Mike McCarthy isn't much of an exception. I, w- I will say with him, you know, the, I, I don't think the Packers are a bad team. I think they have a really good roster, and I, I hate to talk about it on such a macro level, but with Mike McCarthy, it comes down to the fact that they have four wins and they're going into Week 13. I mean, you have to be able to win more games than that, and it's not just on him, of course. We know when, when a team like that is struggling, it, there are a lot of culprits here, and Aaron Rodgers is one of them. He, at times, he's been good, I'm sure, I know, but he has missed some throws. And sometimes, you, you know, you wonder with Aaron Rodgers, is he too good for his own good sometimes? You know, there, there are some plays where maybe he'll pass on a five-yard crossing route and, and an easy pickup because, you know what, I can hold the ball, I can step up into the pocket, I can evade some pass rushers and fire the ball 40 yards downfield because I can do that and no one else can. You can't blame him for doing that because he's so talented, but it also hurts the Packers offensively when he does that and it does not work. So, again, this is not just Mike McCarthy. There are a lot of issues this team is dealing with. Injuries were a big issue yesterday, too, during that Vikings game, um, although you won't hear any excuses coming out of Green Bay. Um, but, no, I'm, I think he's safe for now. If things keep going the way they're going, if the Packers don't at least make things interesting in the wild card because they're not dead yet, um, then, I, then I do think maybe his tenure has, has run its course in Green Bay. On the other side of the field last night, we see the Vikings get the victory. Kirk Cousins outplaying Aaron Rodgers for a large portion of that game. They wanted to run the football more. They tried. They didn't weren't overly effective, but a couple of at least decent plays in the run game going here. Is it just this is what this team is? Regardless, Mike Zimmer, an old defensive guy, he wants to see them run the football because of the state of the offensive line. This is who the Vikings are. They're a throwing team, and that's what they're going to be the rest of the year. Yeah, probably. I mean, look, when you have two good running backs, and Dalvin Cook and Latavius Murray, you're, you're going to try to force it maybe more than you should. Which is fine, uh, because, you know, when we all know when the calendar turns to December and January and the weather gets cold and uncomfortable and it gets harder to throw the ball, uh, the running game is more important. So, you know, when it, when it comes time for those games, if, if the Vikings have to go on the road in the playoffs, they're going to need some semblance of a running game. So, you know, maybe it's just a little bit of establishing that ahead of time, you know, getting the offensive line all on the same page. Like you said, that's clearly the weakness on this team. Uh, but, you know, if they can build that up going into the playoffs, I think it would be smart for them to do that. But yeah, I mean, the strength of this team, when you sign a guy like Kirk Cousins and you have the best receiving duo in the league, uh, is definitely going to be the passing game. My, my concern with that for the Vikings is, is will that help them enough uh, when it matters most? Because last year did not. Obviously, Kirk Cousins was not there, so maybe that changes something. Uh, but then that also puts the pressure on the defense, too, if that's the way that the Vikings want to play. So it's kind of a dangerous approach for them, but it is their strength. Uh, so it's just a matter of where will that running game be whenever they actually need to win these games, more so than they do now, because you know they're stuck in the wildcard battle. We're having a great conversation right now, Tad Hoslip. We're talking the NFL. Okay, so we saw the Bears on Turkey Day. They got a little lucky because they were playing the Lions and that turnover guy, Matt Stafford, at quarterback. 
Uh, but they won, and that's all that counts with Chase Daniel. Word on the street, Todd, is maybe or maybe not Trubisky is back for the next game. Where are you on that? Well, here, here's what I'll say. If they don't have him back, um, I mean, obviously you want him back, uh, but it's probably not the end of the world, right? I mean, you have the Giants coming up. One would think that's, you know, just like the Lions game, a, a winnable game. I'm not saying they're necessarily going to win for sure, no matter who plays quarterback. Um, but there's that. And, you know, the Bears also have now a pretty nice cushion over the Vikings. I, I mean, I, maybe Chicago would have preferred Green Bay win that game just to give them more of a cushion in the division. Uh, but I think if you're the Bears sitting there at 8-3, and three, uh, you're in pretty good shape right now. And the Bears have to play the long game here. You know, they need Mitchell Trubisky to be healthy. Um, not just for the playoffs, but also maybe for that Rams game in a couple weeks, maybe to bury the Packers a week after that. Um, and then if for some reason the game is really important for the division, there's the Vikings game in Week 17. So, uh, you know, the Bears have to be thinking about the playoffs here. They have to be thinking about what's best, not necessarily for this upcoming game, uh, but what's going to be best for us, again, like we were talking about with the Vikings, when the games matter most. So if I'm the Bears and if there's a question about playing, uh, I'm just not going to play him. I'm just going to uh, let it ride with Chase Daniel. He's not going to be great, but he can be adequate, as you saw against Detroit, and they have to hope that's enough. And you know what? If they drop the game, like I said, they have a little bit of a cushion, so that helps. Speaking of the Bears, and you look forward, and if they maintain where they are in the number 3 seed, is this a team equipped to go on the road and beat those high-powered offensive juggernauts, the Rams and the Saints? Do they have enough offensively to keep up and enough defensively to slow either of those teams down and to do it on the road? You know, I, I don't know that anybody, frankly, Trent, has what it takes to beat the Saints in New Orleans. That's, yeah. you know, not just the Bears. We already saw the Rams try it. It didn't really work out. And you go through the rest of the NFC, like, other than the Bears, like, who is even going to challenge them? Um, so it's, frankly, if, if New Orleans can keep that number one seed, it's really hard for me to see somebody going in there and beating that team. Now, upsets happen. We all know that. Um, but that team is just so well-rounded and such a heavy favorite. Uh, it's really hard to see. I, I will say the Bears are capable of it. Um, I definitely think they would have a much better chance of winning a game in Los Angeles than they would in New Orleans for sure. Um, but like I said, it's just it's just so hard to see somebody going into the Superdome and beating that team in that environment. Uh, it just doesn't happen very often. So through the Bears, you're kind of hoping that the Saints fall for a little bit. The Saints have two games against the Panthers left uh, in three out of the, or two out of the last three weeks of the season. Um, so, you know, best-case scenario maybe for the Bears, if they're not the ones that somehow get up the number one seed, maybe they want Los Angeles to jump over there and get the number one seed because presumably that would be an easier place to win a playoff game. Uh, Ted, Kansas City coming off the bye. Do the Chiefs continue the road that they are on right now with Mahomes and that so-called gunslinger mentality where now he is throwing a couple of picks a game? Or have they used that off time to try to uh, really go through some film study and see if they can kind of change all that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Chiefs, uh, they don't really have much of a choice here, but they have to keep their foot on the gas because they're getting pushed by the Chargers. The Chargers are only yes. a game behind in the division suddenly. So, you know, the, the Chiefs don't exactly have that easy of a schedule coming up. Yeah, they, they play the Raiders next, but they have, like I said, that rematch with the Chargers. And then after that, they have to play the Seahawks. And the Seahawks all of a sudden are a surging team, and, and that's not necessarily going to be an easy out. That's going to be in Seattle, probably a primetime game. Uh, so it, that's, that's a tough game. Look, the Chiefs, 
you mentioned the gunslinger mentality. They they know that that works for the most part. The only reason it didn't work in Los Angeles is because they were playing a game that could match them point for point. That's rare. There's only one or two teams in the entire league that can do that, maybe three or four if you include the Patriots. Um, so, you know, they, they know it works, but they also know that they do have a good running game if they need to rely on that. They do have Kareem Hunt, and they might be getting Eric Berry back pretty soon, which will be a significant boost to that defense. And if that defense can improve even in the slightest bit, uh, I think, you know, assuming they can hold off the Chargers, that's an overwhelming favorite in that conference. Even though the Patriots are there and the Patriots seem like they might be trying to start surging again and the Patriots already beat the Chiefs, uh, I just think if the Chiefs can shore up that defense just a little, like I said with Eric Berry, it doesn't matter what they do on offense. I mean, we know how potent they are on offense with Andy Reid and that scheme. Uh, so I, I trust them to figure it out. I really do. Cowboys now with the division lead tied with Washington is it time for all of us, myself included, for laughing at what they gave up to bring in Amari Cooper? Is it time for everybody to have a mea culpa here? <laughs> well, I mean, yes and no. So what you saw in that Thanksgiving game against Washington, obviously, is like best-case scenario for Amari Cooper. I was, I was actually watching that game with a cousin of mine since his family time. He happens to be a Cowboys fan, and we were just kind of laughing at the fact that this is totally the Amari Cooper experience. You, you might get... 200 yards and two touchdowns, or you might get two catches for eight yards. <laughs> you might get one of the two. Um, the Cowboys got the good Amari Cooper in that game, and obviously it kind of goes without saying that's the Amari Cooper they need to see down the stretch in order to make it worth it. I, I don't know that you're that it's ever going to be worth the first-round pick. Now, if the Cowboys go on a Super Bowl run and he has a lot to do with it, then sure, it was worth the first-round pick. But because of his contract situation, uh, because the Cowboys are still only six and five, it's not like they've just started, all of a sudden started lighting teams up. Um, as of right now, it's still hard to justify. However, um, you know, I, I think I remember saying when this move was first made, if you're in the position the Cowboys are in, like you said, they're first place in the division, they have a chance at a deep playoff run. Why not strengthen your team as much as you can, especially when you're already looking toward next year's draft and thinking you might want to take a wide receiver high anyway? They knew what they had in Amari Cooper. They thought that he was a good fit for their offense, and so far, so good. Um, and with Dallas, you have a defense that's playing absolutely lights out. It'll be interesting to see how they match up against New Orleans uh, coming up this week. That'll be, a, obviously, the toughest test for them all season. Um, but suddenly, that's a very well-rounded team with Amari Cooper in the past game, with Ezekiel Elliott in the running game, and with that defense that's playing so well. Most well-rounded team in the division, for sure, where they're going to end up uh, in the playoff picture, probably going to stick in that four seed just because Chicago is so strong. But still, that's not necessarily a team that you want to see in the playoffs just because of that defense. All right. Now, we probably have maybe one to five people who are Indianapolis Colts fans that listen to our radio show. With that, <laughs> are they the, are they have, have they turned into like the hottest team in the league, winning, what, five in a row now? And Andrew Luck looks like Andrew Luck? They are. But, well... They're technically, if, if we count the winning streak, they're the second hottest team in their own division, if you count the Texans, who, of course, play tonight. They've won seven right. straight. Uh, nobody, I don't think, in the history of the league, if I'm remembering this correctly, has started 0-3 and then won seven straight games. Uh, so Houston's on fire. But just everything with the Colts, the entire storyline with Andrew Luck, this young defense, they have a rookie in Darius Leonard, who's lead, or at least he was leading the tackles before last week. I'm not sure if he still is. Um, but, you know, because of the stats and because of the impact on his team, he is a leader for uh, Defensive Rookie of the Year. Just the converging storylines with this team and the, the question marks going into the season for the Colts, and here they are at 6-5, and five, knocking on the door at the playoffs. Not only that, but if the Texans slip up, 
they need to be careful because the Colts might be there to capitalize on it. So big game tonight for the Texans for that reason, obviously, in the playoff picture, but also because, like you said, the Colts are right there. And, and if the Texans aren't the hottest team in the league, then you're right. It is the Colts just because of the way they're playing. It's remarkable. I, I think one of our writers, Mike DeCourcy, tweeted about this uh, earlier in the week, but Andrew Luck's resurgence is one of the most underappreciated good stories of the season. I mean, there are other quarterbacks in the league lighting it up this year, so it's it's kind of strange that such a story is being overlooked, but it is, uh, and that's just kind of the way it's gone. But, you know, heck, if the Colts win two or three more games, all of a sudden they're going to be knocking on the door for like a three-seed in the AFC. It, it's possible, um, and I don't think four or five weeks ago uh, anybody could have seen that coming. Speaking of that division and the Colts, what do you expect to see tonight? Tennessee looks like Mariota's going to be good to go. Going to Houston and should be a charged-up environment, obviously uh, playing for the passing after the owner uh, passes away. What do you expect to see with Tennessee and Houston tonight? Yeah, I think you, you kind of just said it right there. The atmosphere, um, the, the passion that Houston presumably will be playing with here. Uh, not only that is a huge advantage for the Texans, but just the, the talent on the field. Tennessee is it's one of those teams that I have no idea how to make sense of. Um, it's, it's you know it's one of those teams that can beat New England, um, but then the next week they'll just play an absolute terrible game, and you're not necessarily surprised by either result. It, it's really weird. The Texans, like I said, probably the hottest team in the league, and they've been doing it relatively consistently. They've won close games. They've beaten teams by a couple scores. Uh, proven that they can do it in other ways, and I think no question, the, the Titans have a really good defense as a whole. But the Texans playmakers individually, especially at the line of scrimmage, they're going to cause a lot of problems. Especially, like I said, in that game in that environment, going to be loud. Um, even with Marcus Maria, I think the uh, the Titans are going to struggle a little bit there because the Texans know that the Colts are coming and they need to. You know, they just got a three seed out of nowhere because the Steelers lost yesterday. I think they'll be motivated to uh, to play well and win that one. Uh, Baker Mayfield, uh, he has turned into one of the top quarterbacks in that rookie class, if not the best QB, and he looks like a number one pick. He torched uh, yesterday the Cincinnati Bengals, and then he had, you know, he kind of turned on his former head coach, Hugh Jackson, afterwards, uh, only shook his hand and quickly exited and then said, hey, look, uh, you know, I don't want anything to do with the guy because he went to the opposition that we play two times a year. Where are you on Baker? <laughs> well, first of all, I heard Trent with the, the grunt is at, at the name, at the mention of Baker Mayfield's game name. Was that a, a good grunt or oh, a, it was a, a good bad grunt? grunt? I, I love Baker Mayfield. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, me too. Okay. He is he is a lot of fun to watch. Uh, there's no doubt. I didn't I didn't love the Hugh Jackson thing. I just I just didn't see why it was necessary. It's kind of one of those things where um, you know Baker Mayfield has an edge to him, um, and this time it was kind of sharp on both ends, kind of harsh on both ends. Like man got fired. I mean, what do you expect him to do? Like just coach flag football in Youngstown, Ohio? I mean, that he he has ties <laughs> to the Bengals organization, obviously, um, and he was given a chance to go back there and coach. I don't. I don't think anybody blamed him for that, except apparently uh, Baker Mayfield and maybe a few more within the Browns organization. So I, I thought it was a little bit petty on his part. Um, I, I mean, I just I didn't love it. It didn't you know make me angry or anything. I didn't really have a, a huge reaction to it. Um, but you know, like I said, that's just how he is. He's kind of an edgy dude, and when he's on your team, you love that. I'm sure that's why a lot of his teammates love him. Uh, and that coaching staff comes in, uh, they're going to love that about him too. And and like you were saying, I mean, he's just so exciting to watch. Um, and you just really 
not just for Cleveland and because you feel like those fans, that franchise, they just deserve some, a good thing to happen to them for an extended period of time, more than just a few games. You hope that whoever Cleveland hires is a good fit with Baker Mayfield. That's obviously going to be a very, very key part of the coaching search. So if they can get that right, and if Baker can go on a tear for the next five to ten years, uh, that's going to be a lot of fun to watch, and, and especially in that division where, you know, Ben Roethlisberger is not getting any younger. The Bengals are falling apart a little bit. Joe Flacco and the Ravens maybe, you know, that, that time is coming to an end there. There's a window of opportunity for Cleveland, Cleveland if, uh, if they can get that coaching hire correct. Thank you, Tad. Good talking with you again. Yes, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Tad Haslip, we look around, we take a look at uniforms, we take a look Mm -hmm. at the league, (laughs) and a whole lot more. We'll take the break here, coming back on the other side, getting ready for the night in sports tonight, Monday Night Football, and a whole lot more as we continue. It's Jimmy B and TC. Back with you one final time, Trent Cotton and Jim Brinson. Jimmy B and TC continues on 1700 The Champ tonight. Monday night football and a pretty decent matchup here, Jimmy B. Yeah. Mariota looks good to go for Tennessee. That means hopefully no Blaine Gabbert. I don't want to see him out there on the field <laughs> against that revved up uh, Houston team after the passing of Bob McNair, a beloved figure certainly in Houston, and uh, bringing football back there to Houston. He was passing on Friday. So you know it's going to be emotionally charged, certainly environment for that one. And if you're not around the television tonight, you can catch it as you can catch every Monday night football game right here on 1700 The Champ. You know, I'm really looking forward to this because Tad Haslip brought it up where he said he couldn't remember another team that went 0-3 to begin the season and then has won seven straight. I do remember the San Diego Chargers uh, going 0-4. Yes, but I don't think they won seven straight uh, and they made the playoffs. Uh, after that, so I I don't think they won seven in a row. So this is a a game tonight with a lot of interest. Trent, look, I'm a big JJ Watt fan. To me, him and Khalil Mack are probably the maybe Aaron Donald as well. The three most disruptive defensive players in all of the NFL, and you can bet that JJ Watt will be on his uh, game tonight. With the circumstances, of course, that you just outlined, with the passing of McNair, the owner, and just what the the city of Houston has been through with all that flooding and everything else that has taken place, and now the passing of the beloved owner who did indeed bring the NFL back to Houston. Yeah, that 1992 Chargers team started off 0-4, Ripped off four straight to get to four and four, lost a game, yeah. and then ended the season winning their last seven. Get into the playoffs, they beat the Chiefs and lost to the Dolphins in the divisional round. But uh, doesn't happen very often. What Stan Humphreys, Marion Butts, yes, Roddy Harmon yeah. was on that team, and uh, yeah. quite the run. But you don't see that happening certainly very often. Point spreads four. I, I think I am gonna. I normally in this spot would probably be all over Tennessee. But because of what happened with McNair and his passing and just it, mm-hmm. it's not just the fan base, but the players seem to really get behind him and really like him. Because of that, I, th- I think I'm going to lay the points. I don't like to do that normally on Monday nights, but I think I'm going to lay it tonight, lay the four, and go with Houston, Jimmy B. So that's what we got going on tonight. But that's not all, Jimmy B. We get the start of the ACC Big Ten Challenge starting up this evening. Of course, Iowa plays tomorrow night in their matchup against Pitt, but it gets going here. Big Ten, how many do they get? 14 games, I think it, I think all 14 are playing. 
How many wins for the Big Ten this year in the challenge without even breaking it down kind of individually game by game? I think the ACC is probably going to get them, but what do you think? Um, I think the ACC will probably do well, uh, you know, also. Um, I think there's going to be like an upset someplace around here. It, it, it always does take place and you always kind of, uh, see somebody, uh, bounce up and, and win that. But I have always enjoyed the ACC, uh, Big Ten Challenge. Uh, generally there's some pretty good basketball. Nebraska at Clemson tonight. Yeah, um, that should be good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that'll get that'll give us a pretty good indication really of what Nebraska is all about. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have 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 Nebraska penciled in as an NCAA team. Uh Clemson I think was a team that was sort of on the outside looking in. So this game is at Clemson. So I'll be fired up to uh to watch that uh watch that game this evening. So I'll have the the football on and then that game on the hoop game as well. Should be good. Really looking forward to that one. Uh, yeah, two good games. Minnesota, they play Boston College tonight. That's the second yes. game of the doubleheader. Gophers undefeated, had a nice run in their tournament. So because of that, you know, they, they picked off wins against Washington, Santa Clara, Texas A&M. They beat Utah earlier this year at home. So right. Gophers, you know, if you're an NCAA tournament team and if Minnesota turned the corner after their disastrous year a year ago, you go in and you beat Boston College. You lost an NBA draft pick, a first-round pick from a year ago. That's a game that you should go in and win if you're going to be a tournament team. And then it gets going from there. Of course, uh, a couple of the headliners that will be happening. you got Michigan State-Louisville. Louisville yep. down this year, first year, obviously, with the new regime there. Duke-Indiana, I don't expect that to be much of a game. And then on Wednesday, Syracuse at Ohio State. The Buckeyes off to another surprising start. Virginia-Maryland, old ACC battle. Purdue, Florida State, some of the good ones there, North Carolina, yep. and Michigan to wrap things up. So overall, a fun slate. It always is. I, I'm so happy in this today's day and age where you know you see so many things evolve and change that, what, 20-plus years later, we're still getting this thing. Oh, I know. I, I, I And like I said, once they started it, I was hooked on it right, right from the get-go. And, of course, the new so-called net standings oh. are out. Oh. Uh, did you see Loyola Marymount is the number 10 team uh, in the net? Wow, I, I didn't I, I, did they did they bring back Hank Gathers from the dead? Uh, what did they do here? I I don't know Ohio State is number one in the net. Kentucky is number 61 in the net. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look at these these standings with this new net thing. People are probably screaming already. Can we go back to the RPI, please? Can we go back to that? No. Oh, my no. God. No, I know. No. I know it won't happen. Yeah, but this is funny. It really is the new net. Yeah, well, It happens every I gotta, year. I mean, it happens every year oh, with the RPI, does. and you see funky things like yes, that. Yes, it does. That start yeah. to crop up. You mentioned uh, Loyola Marymount, and I'm looking at their numbers at Ken Palm yeah. right now. And Ken Palm is... I think a better indicator at this point, but by the end of the net, it is an improvement on the RPI. We're going to see an improvement there. Loyola Marymount, by the way, uh, they check in at Ken Palm. Let's see where he has them at this point. Uh, boy, I'm, I'm even missing where they are. I'm scrolling through here <laughs> and struggling to find where they at. Well, they take on Bethesda. That's their next matchup yes. Thursday. You excited for that Big one, game. Jimmy B? Big game. Oh, I'll be dialed into that. 
Is that Bethesda, Maryland uh, elementary school that they're playing? Somebody like that. I think that's what it is. Something like that. Something like that. Yeah. No, yeah, it's way too early, but it's good to see. I was up there. They're at number 15. They are. Iowa State at yes. number 32. Good start. Yeah. Good places to be in the early portion of the season. And, well, mm-hmm. last year it stunk, Jimmy B, as a whole. It, it really did stink, the college basketball in the state. Looks like that's changing this season. Oh, I'm with you, Trent. Look, there's uh, no question that Iowa uh, had a tremendous focus in the offseason uh, to play defense. Look, we all knew they could score. That was never the issue. Uh, they just had to shore some things up. And we always said, if they just played okay defense, you don't have to be a great defensive team, not with the scores that they have. Mm-hmm. Just play okay defense. Uh, you should win a lot of games. Iowa State is amazing me right now particularly with all the players that are on the bench uh, due to injuries and suspensions and what they were able to accomplish in Hawaii. Uh, And look, you and I harped on the Michael Jacobson kid, and people really didn't believe us. They didn't think that he was going to be as good as he is. We kept trying, both of us kept trying to, to tell people that the guy is a real player, and he has shown that for Iowa State. Just wait till they can get Wigington back from the uh, bad foot. He can get the boot off and, and start to work out again. And then you get Lard back, and I haven't heard an update yet on Young, have you? I, I, I don't know what his timetable is yet. Uh, best case scenario, late December, more than likely early okay. January is when wow. they're going to get okay. him back. So still a little okay. ways away from that one. We'll see the Cyclones in action tonight. They get Omaha, Nebraska this yep. evening. UNO comes in 3-3 three and three on the season. The Cyclones a 19-point favorite in that one. With that, Jimmy B, we are out of here. Back at it tomorrow. Coming up this afternoon, it's the drive from 4 until 6 o'clock. Myself and Wolfgang will be here with you. Steve Batterson, we're talking Hawkeyes with him. Ryan Van Bibber on the NFL and Alex Halstead talking Cyclones on your drive home from 4 until 6 o'clock. Thanks, everybody out there for listening in. We'll be back tomorrow at 1. Jimmy B and TC on 1700 The Champ.